0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
1: Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at WPDavidV, or you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. And of course, you can download the latest episodes at WMR.FM. For today's show, we're going to be covering what does COVID mean for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and e-commerce. Obviously, the world has changed. Get out your COVID bingo cards. We have all kinds of little catchphrases like that coming up. But joining us for that conversation, I'd like to welcome Patrick Garman of MindSize. Patrick, welcome to Press This.
3: Oh, thank you. Happy to be here.
2: Yeah, glad to have you, Patrick. I, I, I looked back through prior episodes. I don't think you've ever been on the show before. Is that true?
3: I think I may have been one other time a long time ago, a couple of years, okay. possibly. It's yeah, I've got uh, them. definitely past both our memories.
2: I've got them going back. I think we're into our 160s in terms of episodes since taking over from, you know, when Yoast had kind of stopped running the show. Um, so it's been a while. They can maybe blur together right now. But for those listening, um, what we're going to cover today is really to hear Patrick's views on how he's preparing his customers who essentially are, are very large WordPress e-commerce sites, uh, largely using Woo, but other platforms as well, I'm guessing, um, to be prepared for Q4. And this is impacting both uh, brick, traditional brick and mortar retail companies. But then of course, it's also affecting companies that are already um, largely based in an e-commerce context. So really excited to have this discussion with Patrick, very timely with Q4 right around the corner here. Um, Patrick, uh, I'd like to kick things off by asking you about your WordPress origin story. What was the first time you used WordPress?
3: Oh, the first time I used WordPress was in the 1.x era a long time ago. And at the time, I thought, who could ever use this to build a website? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was purely a blog in I had troubles using it at the time. Uh, eventually, came back to it later after the 3.0 launch. You got custom post types and all the cool tools you use now to build websites. But I think more interesting than my WordPress origin story is my e-commerce origin story. Um, so my wife loves cooking, loves baking. And a long time ago at the time, she was just my girlfriend at the time, Uh, We were kicking off a kind of at-home bakery of her own. So she wanted to sell cookies, baked goods, all these things online. And how do you do it? So I, being the great boyfriend I was, figured it out for her. We tested all sorts of e-commerce platforms, um, WordPress and otherwise. And I eventually found WooCommerce. This is in like 1.1 version WooCommerce. It was very limited and use that to build our site out. was missing some features. You know, we were at home bakery, we delivered, we took cash on delivery, got paid in person. So I built out a couple extensions for WooCommerce that were you know, at home or the... Uh, I built out some extensions that were for cash on delivery, local pickup, and I tried to convince WooCommerce, say, hey, these are great products, we should sell them as extensions. And I was effectively told, these are so simple, we couldn't charge for them if we tried. <laughs> so <laughs> that ultimately became my first open source contribution. We took those and added them to WooCommerce core. And I later found other products I could build to build my e-commerce skill set up. Um, down the road, later wrote a blog post that was, how do you add all your WooCommerce products to a single page? and. That led to a comment. Someone paid me 40 bucks to add all their products to one page because their theme just wasn't working for it. That led to a referral that led to other work on one of the largest e-commerce sites that had existed in WooCommerce. That ultimately led to starting MindSize with the experience we learned from running nine-figure e-commerce stores that led from that blog post. So I can- Serendipitous
2: journey there, huh?
3: I can thank my wife for my entire career at this point.
2: I love it. It's also very timely, the work you did back then, thinking about the uh, kind of connection between e-commerce and um, kind of the physical world, the the brick and mortar stores trying to survive in a digital first world. It's kind of interesting. I have a trivia question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. You said you're a WordPress on the 1.x version series, if you would. Do you know the very first version number of WordPress? I
3: think it's... 0.9.8 0.9.8 or something like
2: that. Uh, you were right. You're very close. It's 0.7. Point uh, 0.7. Yes. And that yeah. was because B2 Cafe yep. Log had 0.6 as their last version, and WordPress initially was a fork of that um, after Michelle Valdrighi stopped maintaining Cafe Log. Uh, but that's a story for another day. We're here to talk about e-commerce. Um so we know, of course, and again I mentioned earlier in, in the episode, like get out your uh, get out your COVID bingo card because we're gonna say you know uh, the world has changed these strange times, uh, things will never be the same. We're gonna say that a hundred times in this episode, um, but you know obviously with the global pandemic, everybody in a digital first mode. Um, what do you think has changed about e-commerce since the start of this back in March?
3: So, I think the thing that has changed the most, honestly, is customers. It's less the business. The businesses are always going to follow where their customers go. And in the modern world, customers were forced to stay home. They were forced to shop online. Businesses were forced to close. So, that's why customers were then forced to shop online. And this has led to some people who maybe were afraid of technology, dove in, started buying online, maybe learned that it wasn't as scary as they thought it was. Others who maybe kind of pushed it off to the side as a, yeah, that's just kind of a, a gimmick. I don't care about ordering online. I don't care about grocery delivery. And now they realize the the value and the convenience of it. So the biggest thing more so than anything is we've changed customers' mindsets and for better or worse and how we got here is an entirely different conversation, but customers now, overall shop online more than they ever have. And you know, you could have said that before COVID, customers are shopping online more than they've ever have. But in some of our clients, we've got brick and mortar stores that we work with on uh, you know, curbside fulfillment platforms. And we've seen some sites over double overnight, just their sales, their volume, everything is pushing online because of the current circumstances of the world. And- nice. We don't expect that to slow down. Like if the world went back to the way it was right now, I'd say a large portion of these customers will continue to shop online just because they've, I mean, they may even just have habits now, but they've been trained that this is the convenient way. They've learned it's more convenient in a lot of ways.
2: I remember in 2016, my new year's, I never make new year's uh, commitments or whatever those things are called, (laughs) new year's resolutions, but I made one that year. And it was to not shop in a store the whole year to try to live my whole life via e-commerce and i pretty much achieved it a couple of wine runs here and there but um, i remember at that time my mom and some of my other you know older or non-technical relatives were really shocked like how could you buy your groceries without feeling the produce how could you do this without trying you know i buy clothes without trying it on and so on and so forth and you know, I'd done some of that in the past, but it really making it my lifestyle really kind of honed in my skill set there. And it feels like I've also observed that since the start of COVID, is that now that people are kind of forced to these concepts that that's not for me are kind of removed because it has to be for you. And I feel like those those behaviors will stick. So I heard
3: looking- uh, oh, a interesting comment from one of our clients that we're talking about delivery and different brands and we're talking about how one brand, once they launch delivery may completely change their audience. Did you shop at any stores that you may not have shopped at before during this 2016 goal of shopping entirely online? Did you change the stores you shopped at normally either because they had better selection, better service or anything?
2: Yeah, that makes total sense. So we have, kind of COVID really changing people's behavior and both in the lens of like their propensity to buy online as well as, you know, where they're shopping and how they're doing it. So has this uh, scale of e-commerce buying put pressure on e-commerce sites that didn't have it before? Like you, you kind of talked about like, they have curbside delivery and it doubles, but like, do you see this? playing out in e-commerce, like kind of solely e-commerce sites that, oh my goodness, I've got so many more customers, so much more um, data I have to deal with now, traffic.
3: There's some that may not see as big of a bump depending on where they're at. You know, if it's a small town grocery chain and they go online, they may see the same amount of traffic as they did in stores before, just through online. The bigger stores with the bigger audiences probably see bigger pressures. Someone who's been entirely online, may not see as big of a jump because they're still all online, but there still will be some gains. So if I'm entirely digital and I have a segment in my customer base who is only shopping physically in stores that now have converted to shopping digitally, that may bring them to my store as well. So It
2: sounds like you're seeing it a little more where they have a a brick and mortar business that's being kind of replaced by the e-com side versus necessarily I'm 100% e-com. I'm guessing that just depends on the kind of business you're in. Some more questions in this vein, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: Time to plug into a commercial
4: break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment.
1: WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Let's press forward with more Press This. Only on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm interviewing the very smart Patrick Garmin of MindSize about what COVID means for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, e-commerce, and how you can prepare for that. So right before the break, Patrick, you were talking a little bit about how when it comes to e-commerce volume, where you're seeing the biggest impact with COVID is with businesses that are either wholly brick and mortar or kind of a hybrid of e-commerce and brick and mortar, but where those, that brick and mortar customer base is kind of coming to the website and transacting versus say in the store. So as you think about, I know you do this a lot in MindSize. I've worked with you and talked with you about a, a ton of the projects you've worked on over the years. And you're know, we are always my first person I think of when someone is like, I need to do a WooCommerce-sided scale. I'm like, we'll just go talk to Patrick. He'll, he and his team will help you figure that out. Um, and I'm gonna ask you to open up your your kind of book of secrets here for a second. but like if you if you could give like three tips for an e-commerce site or an agency helping the e-commerce site um, to effectively prepare for for Woocommerce or WordPress e-commerce at scale, like what are those three tips, three areas that you think are the most impactful that you use in your practice?
3: So, The absolute biggest thing you could do with any site, e-commerce or otherwise, is simplify things. Uh, A lot of site issues we run into would be solved if people building sites from the beginning kept, uh, keep it simple stupid in their mind as they're building things out. You add so much complexity, you add all these features and they're adding features because they sound cool. They're adding features because I read a blog post that this increased a site's conversion rate by 20%, but they're not thinking about their audience. So there's plugins out there that will add specific reward features to a site as an example. Are your customers actually going to use that feature? Is it required for you to launch your site to have a robust affiliate platform, rewards point system that redeems into store credit that you can then use on your site. Like all this complexity being built out when you're just trying to sell a product to a customer. So if you can simplify your site down to the question I ask our clients is, is this functionality required for your business to function? If it's not, how does this functionality make you money? If you can't put a dollar amount directly or indirectly to a piece of functionality on the site, then the question of should we get rid of this and simplify things should probably be asked. And in doing that, it pairs very well to the the second step of what we do, which is reduce as much as possible. So we work with sites and uh, I guess I'll include my third tip here, but the query monitor plugin for WordPress debug bar, all these little free plugins that help you get a, picture of how your site's running. They're free, they work great, install them. They do things like tell you how many database queries are running on a page. So when we look at a site, load the homepage, see how many database queries run. You'd be surprised how many hundreds of queries sites might be running on every single page. And if you have 100 people on your site and each page is running hundreds of queries, your database is ultimately going to fall over. But if we can reduce those hundreds down to less than 100, you can exponentially scale your site further. And in doing that, that's coming back to the second point, which is reduce and offload things. If we can reduce the amount of functionality, offload functionality to other systems, we now have a leaner site, we have a more optimized site and a faster site. And at the high level, if you take these three concepts and put them together, that's ultimately what we do.
2: So the third concept. I didn't catch that. The first one simplify things. So Second simplify one is,
3: things, reduce and offload, and the third was, I guess you could summarize it as use tools that are available to you like query monitor, debug bar to monitor your performance in analytics.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. I think definitely we see this on the WP Engine side when we look at e-commerce stores on our platform that have issues with speed or scale. You know, lots and lots of plugins that work together in really intricate ways is definitely a pattern we've seen in in our universe. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about reduce as much as possible because I feel like when a lot of agencies go in to pitch any project, e-commerce or otherwise, it's like here's a list of ideas and things you can add. Right, the more complex it is, the higher your bill is. Um, essentially, as the agency, because you get to build out all the things they're going to use. Uh, but it sounds like you're really approaching it from the performance and scale perspective in a lot of these cases. And then why, why focus on performance and scale?
3: So if your site is the most amazing customer experience ever with every single plugin you could possibly add, but you're only getting maybe 100 people to your site a day, for one, the money you've put into building that would have been better spent on marketing that would bring better customers and more customers to your site. That will then ultimately pay you and increase your sales. But you've also overcomplicated the site to the point that it's going to run slow, which is going to cause customers to go away. And then it's also not going to be able to handle as many customers. All that boils together to you have less customers, a slower experience that will convert poorly. If you have more customers because you've marketed to them instead of building fancy features, a faster site customers actually enjoy using and can shop on that can handle a lot of customers that will translate to more sales ultimately for the site, which means more money in a store owner's pocket to then put back into the business and continue to grow exponentially. Everything in e-commerce is exponential. For every customer you have multiple page views, every customer you have multiple add to carts, every order you have multiple pieces of data going into the site. The more we can reduce all these exponential operations, we can just smooth out this exponential growth and allow you to grow faster with less cost, and like. ultimately more sales.
2: I like it. That's uh, really sage advice. You know, you and you, you mentioned Query Monitor. I don't want to get too into the details there, but I will just give a quick plug. Uh, that team is looking for contributors and sponsors, so check that out if you're listening, and able to help. It's a great plug-in. So thinking about Black Friday though Cyber Weekend you know the rush of online purchases you know we have this kind of coming up and stores are now thinking about like is this a bigger problem for me in the past than uh, for me now than it has been in the past <clears throat> and I know we were talking about these kind of um, you know the, the, those kind of bit moments of of uh, great traffic and great transactions right like your quote Oprah moment but you mentioned that you thought you'd learned some things by observing what Apple had gone through with their e-commerce crash during their September launch event. Um, Could you share with those listening what those lessons are and how you're thinking about them relative to Black Friday?
3: We have clients that come to us and say, I'm willing to spend absolutely whatever it takes to make my site stay online. And they say that I think with good intentions. I've seen people run the absolute largest Amazon RDS database instance, thinking it will keep their site online. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But Apple, if you think about what Apple is, what their company is, you have a company dedicated to building hardware and software. They have thousands of engineers. They have potentially more money than any other company. And this is their space. This is what they know. And Apple still fails sometimes. So when we talk to clients, especially ones that are experiencing these events and that are saying these types of things that I'm willing to do absolutely anything possible, there is a point that there will be failure. And if you don't acknowledge that there's a possibility of failure and plan for it, and don't just try and assume that you've done absolutely everything possible. So it's going to work. Just look at Apple with billions of dollars and thousands of engineers, Apple still sometimes fails. Sometimes your marketing and your product are going to be creating enough of a hype that your site's going to go down. And how you handle your audience, your traffic, your site, and everything at that moment will ultimately decide if that event that you just put on that triggered this entire surge is going to be success or failure. We've had sites that handled this poorly in the past and lost all the sales. Like their site was just hard down all weekend couldn't come back online and they lost every single potential sale. I think that's one of the
2: things people don't really think about. I think when they think about outages and things along those lines, which is they're thinking like, I'm gonna take the average of all my revenue, divide it by the average of all my hours and minutes. And that's gonna be my cost per minute or hour or whatever of downtime. And that's how I'm gonna value that. But of course, those downtimes often are associated with hard, you know, kind of big rushes of traffic for for sites just in the web as a whole. And so it's not just that you're missing out on the average of dollars and hours, but rather you're missing out on, you know, that moment for you. And that's the most, um, you know, likely time actually for something to go wrong because of the increase in load on your site. So I think it's uh it's certainly interesting to think like well if Apple can fail in those moments, and of course it's that their scale, that's an extremely expensive outage. But even for you at a smaller scale, it could be that moment that you were you know may may change your business or may help yeah. you you know make your numbers for that quarter or whatever. I, I think that's really interesting to think about. I want to talk a little bit more though about you know kind of the the looming Black Friday Cyber Weekend thing, um, but we're gonna take one more quick break and we'll be right back.
1: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hello,
2: everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on WMR. We're talking about COVID and the impact of Black Friday and Cyber Monday for e-commerce sites. We're interviewing Patrick Garman. Patrick, right before the break We're talking a little bit about, hey, if Apple can fail and have a crash during their September lunch event, maybe you can too. So I wanna talk to you now though about like, do you think we'll see more online purchases this cyber weekend? In other words, is is COVID really gonna make Black Friday, Cyber Monday, just like the most epic Black Friday, Cyber Mondays ever online?
3: Absolutely. Um, So first you have a lot of stores that are just not going to be open. Normally, and then I've got family members who, it's tradition, it's Black Friday, it's Thanksgiving Day, we're gonna go out with friends, shop in store, get some of these deals, and maybe they buy something, maybe they don't, but that's just kind of what they do. And if you think about just in general, how much time does it take you to drive to a busy store, find a parking spot, go in the store, buy, check out, come back home, and then you turn that into an e-commerce experience at that store for someone who's already going to be shopping. You're saving, what, 60% plus of that time alone that that person no longer is driving, parking, checking out, everything related to it. So what else are they going to do in the time that they normally would be out spending on their traditional spending day? They're going to try and find other places to spend potentially. So you've got people who may normally be waiting in lines at stores, fighting over products that maybe they they don't need at that time, but that's what they want to do. And they're going to find other stores. They're going to shop around. They're going to look and see what else is out there. They're going to take advantage of these deals. And maybe they're going to end up on more sites than they would have in the past. They're going to shop at times that maybe they weren't before. So not only do we have more people shopping digitally, you have people shopping more efficiently, putting more load on more sites where you can only be in one physical place at one time, at least for right now. You can only be in Walmart or Target or Kohl's or Home Depot, you know, these stores that are closed for Black Friday, they could have all these sites open all at once, shopping and building carts on every single site at one time. So just like with everything else in e-commerce and the web that's growing exponentially, you have all these customers that are now exponentially more customers across more sites at the same time, just increasing the load across
2: the internet. Um, That's really interesting. So it's not just the fact that I can't go to the store, so I have to buy online, but you also think about it from the efficiency perspective. I might actually buy more. Um, certainly have perhaps greater shopping behaviors because I don't physically have to travel between each store.
3: Exactly. And you know they don't have to wait in line in store. They don't have to fight over products. So maybe they're shopping around. Maybe they're, especially right now, Maybe they have a budget of what they're going to spend. They don't have to pick one store to go park at and fight over products at. So maybe they pull up five different sites, look at the products and see which one they wanna buy. Maybe they're doing on the spot price comparison of where to buy that TV deal of who's got the best price of the TV. So I don't know how the conversion rates are going to work based on the number of people that'll be on sites given that this year. I'm sure it'll be similar to what it was in past years, but we've also coming back to the beginning, trained customers to buy online now. So maybe people who hadn't shopped online before during Black Friday, maybe people who are just getting into this, like, well, what's this whole thing about? Maybe I can get some deals too. Maybe they're going to shop yeah. and increase load even more.
2: So Ooh, I have exciting no idea times. how
3: much it's going to grow.
2: It's going to be a wild time for Cyber Weekend in the end of the year, Q4 here in the e-com world. So if I'm a brick and mortar business and I haven't really, uh, sold online, or at least most of my sales are in my store, I, I figure I'm freaking out really uh, a lot right now. So how are brick and mortar stores dealing with Black Friday with the lack of in-store purchases? Is it just like all 100% online or like what what interesting strategies have you seen there?
3: So for Black Friday specifically and Thanksgiving Day, I'm seeing a lot of stores closing. Uh, some will be open. A lot of it probably is going to be up to what governments may allow them to do even Um, but there is absolutely a huge push for digital. So stores that can be open, they probably will have some presence and be open, but they also are just like they have for the entire rest of the year, going to be limiting the number of people in the doors. They're going to slow things down, keep people spread out as much as possible and push people online as much as possible. There's a possibility. Some stores will actually just have digital only deals to try and keep people online and out of stores because they don't want to push people away at the door. That just makes people mad. I feel like,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like the the push to digital has actually been happening, of course, all along. You see a lot of those deals not just only be in store, but be also online. But it will be really interesting to see how that uh, unfolds. And then, of course, as we think next year, when hopefully the COVID crisis is over, you know, knock on wood, um, will will those behaviors also stay with the consumers? And then, of course, will the will the brands also follow? Well, this has been super interesting. Thank you so much for joining us today, Patrick.
3: No problem. We'll have to make sure it's not as uh, big of a gap till next time.
2: I know, right? Uh, for sure. And if you'd like to learn more about Pat- what Patrick is up to, and if you have an e-commerce site and you need some help, check out MindSize.me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast. On WMR, again, this has been your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This.
4: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors.